0: Hey folks, before we kick off this week's podcast, I wanna remind you that Mike Seibert Radio is headed to the Windy City. I will be attending TFCon Chicago 2018. That's going to be happening October 26th through the 28th at the Crown Plaza Hotel and Conference Center, along with friends of the show, the Autopod Decepticast. And we'd love to meet you out there. Listen to upcoming episodes of Mike Seibert Radio and Autopod Decepticast for more information and exciting updates. We'll see you in Chicago. Mike Seibert Radio is an independent podcast. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host and the guests only and do not necessarily reflect those of any broadcasters that any of us either have been, am now, or will be affiliated with. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I am at Mike Seibert Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and write into the mailbag, Radio at gmail.com. This is the podcast radio show where I talk about stuff, and things that are on my mind every week. It's a pop culture show from Seattle featuring interviews, independent artists, and occasionally more. <laughs> um, and in this episode, um, I'll talk about a well, I I had a landmark birthday last week. I uh, I have crested the hill and have come back down the other side. I am, of course, referring to my 40th birthday. I've turned 40, and our vacation to San Francisco. Plus, more information about TFCon Chicago and my appearance with the Autopod Decepticast. Um, I'm emceeing an upcoming charity event, and there's a show next week uh, to benefit a good friend to the local music scene. All of that and more on this all-new episode of Mike Seibert Radio, but first, let's kick things off with some shout-outs. Shout-outs! Shout-out. Well, thanks once again to last week's guest co-host, uh, Dave Sanders, helping us get through the slate of upcoming fall TV shows. Uh, new shows start this week, so check out episode 173 for some of our hot takes. Uh, plus, I accidentally pitch a new doctor show uh, with, uh, it's, it's crazy, it's about a reformed assassin working in a hospital. Um, uh, you know, I, I think I've been calling it Assassin Hospital because that's how creative I am. Uh, but no, it was uh, it was uh, kind of brought on by that new show, uh, New Amsterdam, uh, with that guy from the Blacklist. And basically, I posited that you know, what if he just played the same character where he's kind of like a reformed assassin type thing? And that's that's kind of the show and hijinks ensue. And you know, my uh, my buddy Dave, uh, you know, we I, I think I think we grew kind of fatigued with what was kind of going on with. Actual TV shows and start of kind of uh, pitching our own. He uh, he threw out a pitch for a uh, mash reboot that I think would actually kind of work. Um, but yeah, no, it was a, a very interesting episode. We kind of we kind of go all over the road talking about. Um, it, it, it's not so much what we recommend. Uh, for fall TV, but it's more like what we're not watching, or at least what I'm not watching. <laughs> um, uh, but stay tuned because we'll have Dave on again, uh, very soon in the next couple weeks, uh, to talk about uh, cable and streaming shows and some of the other stuff coming up TV wise that uh, that we didn't have time to get into during that bonus length episode. Um, also, um, and and I wanted to mention it up top because I I wanted to thank everybody, uh, that sent me happy birthday, uh, wishes last weekend. Uh, folks hit me up on both Twitter and Facebook and some texts as well. Um, and I, I responded to almost none of them, um, because I'm a terrible friend. Uh, but, uh, but seriously, I, um, I, I, I really wish I was as good a friend um, as people are to me. Uh, made me feel really good, and um, you know, it's interesting. I was I was just dinking around here, and uh, since I I just now figured out where to find those. F- posts are on Facebook. I I thought I'd take a second and kind of read through some of these. Um, So let's see. uh, So my buddies from the Autopod Decepticast uh, wrote, well, I'm pretty sure it's Caleb because I think he's in charge of the of the Twitters and the Facebooks and the Instagrams. I'm not sure. But uh, but anyway, um, uh, they write, uh, happy birthday. Cake is the right of all sentient beings or booze. Oh yeah, let's uh let's get booze. And uh uh Aaron texted me as well, uh wishing me a happy birthday as well. Uh Dave Sanders wrote uh happy birthday, hashtag old man mike, hashtag get off your lawn. Uh killing spree, uh frequent guest co-host writes, uh, you're over the hill now. Uh old man Mike is no longer just a title. Happy birthday. And it um It's funny. It it messes me up a little bit to interact with uh, with Killing Spree on Facebook um, because he's there as his real name. Um, And and it's weird because Killing Spree is the only name that I knew him by uh, for almost three years before uh, before I got on Facebook, Um, you know, uh, back when we were, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know classmates no we never took classes together but uh coworkers no we anyway we were on KGRG together at the same time and he hosted the heavy metal show under the under the um uh stage name Killing spree and that was all I knew him as Um, so you know it it was I'm repeating myself it wasn't until I got on Facebook that I realized that he indeed has a real name Um, anyhow uh, Andrea also uh, one of uh, my friends from KGRG uh, sent me that uh, that gif of the old lady whose teeth fall out uh, when she blows out the candles um, and wrote a happy birthday old man Mike Uh, grateful to have you as a friend and uh, I just saw um, because I'm a Facebook creeper apparently that uh that Andrea is a UW husky now. Uh so congratulations to Andrea on continuing with a university um, after her time at KGRG and Green River College. Uh let's see. Uh Lordy Lordy, look who's 40. Uh happy birthday, you special man. Uh that from uh the Amanda happening. Um and then cool guy Luke gets in on the action as well. Uh just under the wire happy birthday you old fossil where did you dig up that old fossil and thanks again to everybody for reaching out i i really appreciate it now i also got a shout out of a Different kind, uh, from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast. I, uh, I talk about them all the time. They're an awesome show, one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, Paul and Wayne host their show from Perth, Australia, and they count down movies and sometimes TV shows in order of awesomeness. So you don't have to. And uh, one of one of my favorite segments of their show is where they feature listener feedback and make knuckleheads like me, uh, feel like we're part of the. Show show. Now, over the last couple years, I've uh, I've built up a little bit of a uh, reputation uh, with regards to my particular feedback and a uh, movie choice that I sent them. Because, you know, they'll, they'll put out, you know, the the topic that they're doing and they ask for listeners to contribute their own choices. Uh, but without spoiling it, um, here is a clip of their shout-out to me from their recent Top 10 Date Films episode. Mike Seibert Radio.
1: <laughs> what do you reckon Mike Seibert? said given his answer to just about every every topic podcast that Is we have transformers the movie transformers the movie, correct <laughs> we're going my wife and i are going on september the 27th what? it's coming out again in some release it's brilliant oh man it's hard to deny the guy if he's actually about to do but it no he's gonna okay. do it I and
0: mean, his wife what a great woman
1: good on you mike well well played sir
0: <laughs> well if you can't be famous then you may as well be infamous. Uh, No, I... Uh, Paul and Wayne have probably one of the best listener communities in all of podcasting because they they make everybody feel welcomed and they uh, <laughs> I appreciate their good humor with uh, with regards to putting up m- with my constant and unrelenting suggestion of Transformers the movie for just about every countdown that they do so that's uh, um, so if you happen to stumble upon the show yes I I'm that guy that always. Suggests- Suggest, 1986's Transformers: The Movie, and unfortunately, uh, Transformers: The Movie will not be playing in Australia uh, during that one-night-only Fathom Events screening. But there will be showings in Canada. Um, I don't remember the name of the partner theater chain, uh, but I'll have a link to the Fathom Events page in the show notes. Um, uh, that will help you find a screening near you if you haven't already. And again, that. Will be happening on Thursday, September 27th at 7 p.m. And in case you haven't figured it out yet, I am at maximum hype. Um, I have not seen Transformers the movie in theaters since I saw it at the Bay Theater in Ballard when I was seven years old in the August of uh, 1986. Uh, plus, you know, with this uh, this exclusive one-night-only screening, there will be some behind-the-scenes stuff, um, uh, apparently for the upcoming Bumblebee movie, uh, which, uh, you know the the trailers that i've seen so far look really cool and really exciting i think this might actually coax me back into the theaters to watch a live action transformers movie something which i've said on this very show is something i would never do again but i may have to go back on my word because that uh that that bumblebee movie looks pretty good um and you know movie might actually be okay um, and plus they're going to have an interview with Stan Bush who did a couple of the songs on the soundtrack uh, which I'm super excited about um, so there's at least a little more uh, bang for the buck there and you know I mean it, it'll also be kind of cool to uh, compare notes with uh, Aaron Ryan and Caleb too uh, who I uh, was just talking about earlier um, they've they've never seen the movie before on, uh, on the big screen and, and and speaking of the Autopod Decepticast, uh, which is your weekly minute-by-minute breakdown of that 1986 Transformers movie, um, uh, we're working on getting another crossover episode together uh, done in the next few weeks uh, prior to uh, TFCon Chicago. Uh, they're actually getting very close to wrapping up their run um, and going over the the last few minutes of the movie, uh, which is basically... Just credits? <laughs> well, you know it's an animated movie, so you know that there's going to be uh, like six minutes worth of credits. So, um, anyway, I'm I'm going to step in and see if I can help them kind of fill that time a little bit. Um, and uh, there's a there's a few things I'd like to uh, kind of cover and go over with them. Um including kind of revisiting uh, which episodes of the Transformers cartoon, uh, which ones are essential to watch before seeing the movie I uh, I put that out as a, a question for the listeners a couple few weeks ago, kind of coming on the heels of when I went to CybeFest Northwest that uh, um, uh, Transformers convention here in uh, in Kent. Um, anyway, got a got a lot of great feedback uh, from the community, and I haven't had a chance to go over it yet, um, and it it's interesting cuz the this uh project this kind of weird social experiment kind of took an interesting turn on me and i i i'm really excited to talk about that uh with uh with you and with uh the APDC guys. Uh we're hoping to announce uh when that will be happening exactly uh soon. Now, i did mention Uh, TFCon Chicago, uh, the world's largest fan-run Transformers convention, and that I will be partnering uh, uh, with the Autopod Decepticast to be a part of their um, uh, exhibition, question mark, uh, uh, panel, uh, I I don't know. Uh, uh, But anyway, they, they, they will have a... Uh, slotted time during uh the convention and i thought i would share with you a clip uh from their show um explaining a little more but not really um explaining a little more about uh, uh about what we'll be doing together in uh in chicago at the end of october dateline transform us good evening mr and mrs america and all the ships at sea the Autopod Decepticus has news let's go to press
1: Guys, this isn't a podcast about Transformers the movie. This is a podcast about friendship. Yes, friendship is magic. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay. So, <laughs> speaking of friendship, and and speaking of uh, meeting, meeting people together. in person, I, nice segue. Uh, the, yeah. This a little reminder that we'll be at TFCon 2018, and not only will we be there, we'll be hosting our very own event. Which uh, our pitch document called "mental movie moments." I don't know that we've settled on that sooner. Or I don't later, even know what we're calling. If this is an event, or it's a, a, or a, a panel. panel or a program. But it's a thing. It's theme. more like a variety show. It kind of it kind of is. It, it's a presentation of sorts. Yeah, sure. We'll be revisiting a handful of the most memorable and questionable moments from our favorite movies. Yes. And we'll probably be revisiting some of our favorite script moments in Deviation. Uh, Caleb is going <laughs> to live out his Bob Barker fantasy with some audience interactive game show moments. I guess yes. I just signed you up for hosting duties. Um, we'll see. I mean, there, we've... <laughs> we've We've got some, we'll see. We've got some uh, friends coming, which uh, we're going to be joined by Mike Seibert. He's coming too. We're looking forward to uh, uh, seeing him, and we've done some collaborations. And um, he's got such a a, a great voice. I think he would make a a, a great uh, person to have the Bob Barker role, but we'll see what happens.
0: (laughs) The price is wrong, bitch.
1: Okay, so um, at this point, we are pretty sure we're going to be doing this on Sunday the 28th. We don't know the exact (laughs) time or timing yet, but we've been working on the content this last couple of weeks. We've got a lot of work ahead of us, but I can tell it's going to be be a fun time. So uh, we're also working to produce some great merchandise. We've got original art, t-shirts, posters. Hopefully we uh, can sell it there. A few other (laughs) tchotchkes. We haven't really figured out all those logistics out yet. But, Keychains, beer koozies. But they, but <laughs> if they're not available at the at the at the conference, we will uh, f- I think we'll finally be able to have Oops. pimp our shop. Finally finally put yeah. stuff after up on the, the shop after on the our podcast website. is over. Our timing is that, great. Yeah.
0: They put the pictures name on everything. Merchandising, merchandising, where the real money from the movie is made.
1: Uh so that's TFCon USA, uh Chicago, October twenty-sixth to twenty-eight, Crown Plaza Chicago. Right over by the airport. Yep. Be there and be square. Join us. And Mike Seibert. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but before we get to all of that at the end of October, I want to talk about another really cool event uh, that I have been invited to be a part of and, I, and I'm and i really excited. Um, I will be the MC for the 2018 Little Black Dress Party charity event that will be happening on Saturday, October 6th. That's going to be hosted by Luna and Photography and Little Black Dress Party Inc. at Raw Bar 89 in Kirkland, which is a really nice area about uh, 12 miles east of Seattle. It's a a really cool, trendy bar, um, and it's going to be a really fun night out for just the ladies. Now, uh, there's, uh, there's going to be cocktails, a red carpet where you can do photos, uh, appetizers. There'll be a fashion show, um, along with wine and dinner, of course, and plenty of opportunity to uh, uh, have fun and make new friends, as well as mix and mingle with plenty of hot bachelors. Oh, yeah. Um, did I not mention the hot bachelors? Uh, my mistake. I uh, kind of buried the lead there. Uh, the bachelors uh, will be professional firemen, police officers and active retired military men. Uh, the men in uniform will be up for live auction. So bid on a guy for handyman work, self-defense training, a 5K race buddy, a date and more. Uh, there will be a silent auction as well with all kinds of Cool goodies too. Um, a professional DJ will keep those hits pumping, and a real auctioneer will be in charge of the actual live auction. Which means, fortunately, I just have to keep the program moving and the train's running on time, uh, which will be a really fun challenge for me. I've, uh, you know, I, I've done uh, stage announcements as you've heard me talk about uh, for bands, um, but this will this will be actually like my first actual like MC gig. As, as you know, kind of like a master ceremonies type thing, and and again, I, I'm really excited uh, for the opportunity. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's a great event. Um, I'll have a link to get tickets in the show notes as well as the event section of Mike Cybert Radio Facebook, and uh, the proceeds from this year's event will benefit the Eastside Firefighters Benevolent Fund. Uh, so, ladies. Put on that little black or red, uh, your, uh, uh, little dress and join us for a fun filled girls night out event. I'm hoping to have one of the event coordinators, uh, join me on the show, uh, to tell you more about what to expect. Keep listening for more details. And again, that is going to be Saturday, October 6th at raw bar 89, the 2018 little black dress party charity event. So another really cool benefit event that came together uh, before I went on vacation um, is happening this weekend on September 28th, and it's the Rock for Justin M.F. Davis show. Um, uh, Justin is a really good buddy of mine uh, from my time at uh, the college radio station. Um, we uh, we were kind of ships passing uh, back at KGRG. Uh, he was kind of wrapping up his run uh, just as I was coming up. Again, we, we kinda we we kinda passed each other in the hallway. Um, but he would um it, it's interesting. You know, it, it it's kind of interesting how things like this happen because I didn't really get to know Justin very well until after he had uh moved on from KGRG. And uh and it, it's really kind of interesting because later on he would come back and host the Puget Rock show um right around the time my run on KGRG was ending um and as i said he was uh, the host of uh, Puget Rock uh, most of us know him as Stardog the Red his uh, his uh, air name um and he's he he's a huge supporter of the local music scene you know here in the greater Seattle Tacoma area and um It it really warms my heart that that same scene that he's been so supportive of, you know, through featuring uh, artists on his show and doing interviews... And really, kind of putting a spotlight on on a particular segment of that of that local music scene. Well, they've uh, they've rallied behind uh, this guy in a big bad way. Um, there's a there's a great write up on the Facebook event page, which I'll get linked up um, again on the uh, Mike Seibert Radio page. Uh, but uh, the long and short of it is that um, unfortunately Justin and his family have had some hard times recently and uh the the great folks over at louis g's and fife uh they are throwing him a benefit bash um and it is a stacked lineup too. uh seven bands uh combining what was basically two shows that were going to happen um uh, kind of into one huge uh super show you know some folks were uh willing to kind of move their set times around uh but the show starts at 5 p.m with uh jamie nova sky featuring a Lauren Piston and uh, the morning after uh, and featuring performances by Jericho Hill the thrill uh, crossing crusades and the revolving bullets plus the event will be emceed and with a performance by PD normal all of that for just 10 bucks at the door Um, all proceeds collected from 5 to 9 p.m. will go to Justin and his family directly and a portion of proceeds from Luigi's and the evening show uh, will also be donated and uh, and you can donate directly. Up at the bar as well. There's also a GoFundMe set up, um, so if you'd like to help out that way, or can't make it out to the show that night, and I've um, I, I've reached out to the organizers of the show, am trying to see if I can get somebody um, to join me on the podcast here before next weekend. Uh, again, Louis G's presents Rock for Justin Davis Saturday, September 28th, uh, 5 p.m. to midnight, all ages show. Um, it's uh, it's a stacked lineup. It's going to be great and uh, it goes to benefit a, uh, a really good guy. <laughs> Um, Hurricane Florence hit the Carolinas last week, and Doug from the Who's Right podcast uh, needs our help. Uh, Doug and his family live in North Carolina, and they were lucky enough to escape Hurricane Florence to the safety of Virginia. However, everything he owned was taken by the hurricane. Uh, His home is 100% underwater due to the floods, and his family lost everything. Um... Insurance will not cover his loss, and he and his family are without a place to live. They've lost their cars, furniture, and are financially devastated by the storm. Now, uh, David, the producer from the Unwritable Rant podcast, um, has uh, he set up a GoFundMe on behalf of Doug. And uh, Doug and his wife and his daughter uh, will use the funds to begin rebuilding their lives as, uh, as the recent hurricane has taken everything from them. Uh, their only option currently is to stay at a hotel until they can find another residence. Um, and these funds will help, uh, get them through this. I've got a link to the GoFundMe in the show notes, um, if you'd like to help. Um, now I don't know Doug, uh, not personally at least. Um, but I know he's a fellow podcaster and a member of the Podern family, uh, podcasting community, along with uh, with David, the producer, and and uh, others. Um, so I I uh, I I just. I came across this in a couple different uh, podcasting groups that I'm a part of, and I just wanted to help out in the way that I know how, uh, by talking about it and by spreading the word, and uh, you know, giving another place where I uh, where that link is available, uh, so folks can help. Um, And if you'd like to help uh, with uh, with Hurricane Florence relief, uh, kind of in a more general sense, um, I would recommend donating to the Salvation Army. They're one of uh, uh, my favorite charities that I like to uh, contribute to during disaster relief. Um, I will have a link to the show notes uh, for that for you as well. Um, so that particular version of the uh, uh, transition sound, uh, that's uh, part of a guitar cover, a really sick uh, guitar cover of the uh, season three intro to the Transformers cartoon. I uh, i found it on uh, Facebook or YouTube or somewhere, I don't remember, but it's a—it's uh, from an artist called Breadhenge, and I've got a link to his van camp in the show notes, uh, but I've got a feeling I'm going to be using that one more as... As I go because I really like the sound of it but um before I get out of here I I wanted to talk about our trip to San Francisco uh for a few minutes and kind of maybe uh go over some of the highlights um again before I close it out this week so like I mentioned before uh this uh uh, this uh, vacation that uh, Lucky and I took was um, a, a celebration for my 40th birthday. And it, it, it came about originally in a, a strange but uh, still wonderful kind of way. Um, uh uh, listeners know that last year we took a trip to China with uh, with some friends of ours, and that came together not because we were you know looking to celebrate my birthday or our friends whose uh, um, her birthday is the day before mine. Um, it was just coincidence. Like we, we found like a screaming deal online. Uh, you know, go back to last year and and it's uh, um, I, I do two different episodes kind of recapping that trip. But but basically what happened was as soon as we got home, you know, our, you know, we're, we're talking about our trip and inevitably our friends and family say, well, where are you going next? And, you know, Lucky kind of uh, looks at me. He's like, well, um, I don't know, man, it's a, uh, it, it's your 40th birthday. You, uh, you tell us. And I, I went through this, this, uh, little bit of a, a grump funk that, that I'm sure a lot of folks go to during uh, um, coming up to milestone birthdays, and I I said I didn't want to go anywhere um, because I I I may have talked about this on the show before, but I don't I don't like to travel for long amounts of time. I uh, I used to go on work trips. Uh, sometimes for like you know like two to three weeks in Alaska or Hawaii and and I I would literally feel myself unravel uh, like you know like my sanity would just uh, um, uh, destabilize because I would just get so homesick I I just I enjoy being home I like being around my wife and my family and our cats and, and my, my own bed and our house and uh, you get the idea. But, um, so we were in China for 10 days and that was kind of like, I had just kind of begun that unraveling that I was referring to. So I, I was reluctant To want to travel again. And, um, you know, Lucky and I talked about it, the subject came up. And it got tense. And they, and um, eventually we uh, settled on San Francisco, which actually uh, worked out very well because, uh, you know, in a kismet kind of way, because that's also where we went to go celebrate her 40th birthday. So it just it kind of it, it kind of comes back around in a in a weird, unintentional way. We didn't plan it that way. It just uh uh dawned on me uh much later so uh but anyway we we went to san francisco we've we've been there uh before as I just mentioned, so what we decided to do for this trip was um our our mission statement was to just kind of like explore the city and have fun and have kind of like some skeletal planning. Uh, but not so finely planned that we feel suffocated by it. Unfortunately, I, I'm uh, I have like this weird planning thing where I feel like uh, the broad strokes need to be very clearly defined. I can be flexible on like little stuff, like you know where we go to eat for lunch. But dinner is probably like a landmark that we need to have set in stone. That 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 kind of type of planning. But we, uh, we intentionally had a grab bag of different activities that we can do. Um, and I don't know if this ended up being intentional or not, but it was more than we could do. Which I may or may not have realized at the time. Um, but that's okay because, I mean, it's it um uh it it gave us a blueprint to work off of and and we had an amazing time it was great and it was also kind of a opportunity for me to really kind of try to be um you know flexible and go with the flow and not be so rigid i I sometimes succeeded on that, but other times um, I didn't. But, but anyway, sorry, I, I distracted myself because, like, I, I what I was initially going to start with was that during this trip, since we had been to San Francisco before, you know, we had, um, you know, we we had ridden a whole lot of cable car, you know, we had been to Alcatraz and you know so we we did a lot of um the the touristy stuff like we did like you know like a, a cruise of the bay and uh, a lot of stuff we had done already that we didn't necessarily feel the need to do um so yeah we we just kind of did other stuff um we uh uh the biggest thing we did and it was kind of interesting because this was kind of like the marquee thing, but it was uh, it was very early in the trip because of just uh, scheduling. We uh, we did a wine train, uh, a uh, dinner train out to Napa, and this was actually kind of cool. It was it was a really neat setup, and I mentioned scheduling earlier. So uh, Napa, a wine country, is there, there's a significant. Geographical separation from San Francisco. But this uh, a company that uh, does the dinner train, you can um, you can get transportation one of two ways, either via bus or by ferry and i had uh decided that i was really excited about doing this ferry trip we we were originally going to do this on my birthday uh but um uh, turns out they don't offer the ferry on the weekends. My birthday was on Saturday, and so we ended up doing it on Thursday, our first full day in San Francisco, the day after uh, we traveled. So, um, so yeah, it was kind of weird to do kind of like the the big marquee thing right off the bat. But I think as the trip unfolded, that uh, um, in a way kind of kind of worked out for the best because it kind of crossed off. Uh, The biggest thing uh, first, but um, so this was neat. Like we we uh, go to, you know, the the ferry terminal and we take this ferry, which is basically a hydrofoil. A clipper boat basically there's uh, you know in the Pacific Northwest uh, Seattle area there's the Victoria Clipper that basically uh, runs up at you know hydrofoil speeds up to uh, British Columbia and this ferry boat was one of those Clipper style boats I I found out from a co-worker later that apparently um, Washington state ferries had a bunch of these boats and ended up selling them to uh, San Francisco. Um, so yeah, so that so it was cool. It was uh it was about an hour ferry ride where you're going at pretty decent speed. Like um I, I remember going out to the back deck to uh take some pictures on my phone and I remember I had to grip it really hard with both hands because the wind was pushing against the uh, uh flat surface of the phone and almost blew it out of my hands. But it was um so we uh take this uh, ferry from the San Francisco ferry terminal to uh, Vallejo which is across the bay and then from Vallejo uh we get into a uh, party bus um essentially you know that that kind of um it's not as big as a bus it's not as small as a van but um but <laughs> you get the idea i just call it a party bus but uh our uh driver um out to the dinner train out in Napa um he um he lived uh locally he was a an army guy um and just kind of you know uh, served in a bunch of different areas and lived in a bunch of different areas well-traveled dude but he lived in Linwood uh for a fair number of years and um uh, this was one of the things that that lucky wanted me to mention that that she uh um she thought was uh, pretty cool about the trip because yeah we we were chatting up this guy, you know the other people in the party bus just you know were we' into their own conversations, but we sat up front and we were chatting with the uh, with the driver and yeah he um I grew up in the Linwood area, so you know we're we 're talking about landmarks and streets and and particular areas, and that was uh it 's just really neat because um you know, uh, generally when you meet up with folks, it's like, you know, where are you from? And people, uh, you know, will tell you what state they are generally. Um, but the, the Pacific Northwest, uh, uh, Seattle, uh, the Seattle area more specifically is one of those few areas where like, if you're in a new place, you're traveling, you're in an airport or whatever, where are you from? Seattle. Now, we've had this experience a number of times, and that's that's what happened with this uh, driver here, is, you know, where are you from? Seattle. Well, whereabouts in Seattle? Um, you know, and we mentioned Federal Way. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I you know lived in Linwood for a time. So it, it, it goes from like uh, macro local to hyper local and micro local, I guess, where you start even talking about um, neighborhoods and whatnot, but it's a. Uh um, the Seattle area is one of those things where you know you don't have to say you're from Washington because generally when people say they're from Washington you automatically think DC you know if you live outside of the Pacific Northwest but that was a uh, uh, that that was uh, that was kind of a, a neat experience there but you know they, they take us to uh, the wine train it was a spectacular dinner you're you're on a train going through wine country uh, we uh, on this tour we ended up going Going through two different wineries, uh, one called uh, Charles Krug Winery, which uh, was where the uh, Mondavi family um, did a lot of their early uh, winemaking. You know, if you're uh, familiar with Robert Mondavi wines, which I am. Fairy. <laughs> no, we're uh, uh my wife and I lucky, we're uh we're definitely red wine people. So we were um a lot of history in that place. Um and by contrast, the other winery we went to was called Raymond Winery, which is about as contemporary as you can get. Uh um I don't know if you've uh, done a, a, a winery or brewery tour uh, before, but generally one of the stops on there is like, you know, kind of like the warehouse where it's all concrete and stainless steel tanks and it's all, you know, very antiseptic and not especially remarkable but at this uh, Raymond winery the uh uh winemaker uh owner is a uh, uh, very flamboyant and basically the, he's got like disco lights i mean it's basically like like a like a almost like a club like a like a um like a disco almost because, uh, I mean, the, you know, there's like, you know, loud electronic music thumping in there. There's uh, you know, he's a, he's a fan of the Moulin Rouge. So there was like some uh, uh, mannequins that were <laughs> in there on, upside down on trapeze. It was, it was probably like one of the, the most eclectic wineries we've uh, uh, been to uh, Raymond, uh, Raymond Winery. And, and from there, you know, we uh, we jump back in the party bus and they take us back to the ferry in Vallejo and then back to San Francisco, and that was, you know, um, I I was concerned at first. I'm like, wait a minute, we're only visiting two wineries. Come on, man. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was an all day adventure, and I was uh, we was tired and we were ready to uh, uh, go home. But uh, I mean. Um we uh we had the opportunity to uh stay on Fisherman's Wharf. Uh, our hotel was at Fisherman's Wharf. We were we were literally one block away from Pier 39. Um, So that's where we spent the majority of our time, you know, just kind of walking through uh, Fisherman's Wharf and just, you know, seeing the sights, um, you know, getting getting churros and feeding the pigeons and and, uh, you know, just kind of doing a lot of people watching. We, uh, you know, we would sit sit as we were just kind of hanging out for a few and just watching the people. Um, But we um, uh, checked out the aquarium. Uh, we uh, we happened to get there at uh, at just the right time. Actually, let me back up a sec. So uh, one of, one of the things we did for um, uh, the uh, um, you know various activities that I had mentioned earlier, we got something called a city pass. Now, if uh, if you're traveling to a new city, I would highly recommend uh, a city pass. You uh, check it out. Basically, what it is is it's kind of a coupon book, um, but it's Uh, It's discounted admission you know, you pay, you pay one price. Like, I think it's like 80 bucks or something like that. But, but um, you know, depending upon the city you go, it's, you, it'll usually have like a aquarium, a museum, maybe a science center. If they've got one, uh, you know, museum of modern art, you know, whatever kind of, kind of like, you know, some of the, the larger um, attractions in that particular tourist city. So we got one of those for San Francisco. Um And, The thing of it is, is you have to go to one of the places to redeem it and use it, and uh, so we chose to go to the aquarium first um, and basically uh, redeemed our city pass, got our booklet, and we happened to get there right as they were getting ready to do, uh, otter feeding. They had a, they had a couple, uh, I, I don't remember if they were sea otters or river otters, but it doesn't matter because they were adorable. They're kind of like giant, uh, sea cats, not, not to be confused with sea cats, that, uh, awesome band, uh, um, out of, uh, uh, the Seattle area. But, um, but that was neat. They, they, um, I don't know. I just, I, you know, e- even as being an old curmudgeon old man, there's I like, you know, going to zoos is cool. You know, like, you know, seeing like, you know, live animals and even just like, you know, just the small act of like a trainer coming out and, you know, kind of getting them to do tricks and all that. I I, kind of dig that. Um, But uh, but a little later, uh, Lucky got to feed some stingrays. Uh, She got like a fistful of shrimp along with uh, I think she was the biggest kid out of uh, all the all the folks that were uh, throwing uh, uh, shrimp at the stingrays, uh, making friends there. Um, but the uh, the other thing we did over uh, on Fisherman's Wharf, which was uh, really cool, was something called the Rocket Boat. Now uh, I, I had mentioned the City Pass uh, before, and I had mentioned that we had taken like a cruise of the bay uh, previously. It's like you know you go out on a on a large ferry style boat. There's a tour guide, and they say, "Hey, off on your left is Alcatraz, where you know they used to keep Al Capone." And 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 as I mentioned. We, uh we we didn't do alcatraz this time because as lucky put it they're uh they're not they are not necessarily admitting new inmates not a lot has changed there's really nothing new there and we 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 spent an entire day on alcatraz uh when we uh when we went the last time so uh but instead we chose to do this uh, rocket boat which is basically again just kind of, it's it's like a a giant speed boat that's Built for uh, large passenger capacity. It holds like 30 people. Um, but but at a sense it, it's just it's just a big speed boat it, it looks kind of like the uh, uh, the the cobra hydrofoil you know those of you that had uh, uh, GI Joe toys as a kid there was like this big red boat that the bad guys had uh, this hydrofoil boat this uh, rocket boat looked just like it except it had flames planted on the side it was pretty rad um, but what what it was offered or how it was advertised is like that you know it's a a rock and roll adventure out on the the bay and yeah so basically we get seat belted in we go out into the bay and and not only does this uh, rocket boat go very fast but it also um uh does a lot of you know sharp turns and banks and and kind of tricks i mean it's like we basically like drive underneath the bay bridge and essentially just start doing donuts um, but what was really cool about all this is, you know, so basically it's creating its own wake and then kind of stopping in it. And you're, so you're rocking back and forth. Meanwhile, like the, you know, like the, the hair metal eighties, uh, stuff. I mean, I heard a lot of Bon Jovi, a lot of Def Leppard, um, uh, some rush, some journey in there. It was, it, it was, it was great. But, um, um, uh, We weren't sure how wet we were going to be. Like, I had seen a blurb on TripAdvisor that said, well, if you sit in the back row, you're probably going to get wet, maybe. Um, But it was like, uh, it was a 30-minute ride, and... We were almost done. Uh, We, in fact, we were actually on the way back to uh, the the pier, and he does like you know a couple more tricks, and like the boat just happened to dip in a certain way. Lucky got freaking soaked. It was like there was like I could see like this wave come up and over the uh uh the the side of the boat. We had uh, we had sat on the side. She was on the edge. I was next to her um so i got you know maybe misted a little bit but yeah like her her whole side was just soaked so later on after we went back to the hotel it's just like oh oh you you got all your clothes wet so yeah it was a it was a full outfit change for her and you know the uh um uh, folks behind us um it was a couple and their young daughter and yeah the young daughter got it got it bad and that kind of ruined her day for for a hot minute but yeah it was uh um rocket boat was hell of a lot of fun and uh um you know the the uh boat captain comes through and, you know, he's offering to take pictures. So, you know, if if um you follow me on Instagram at Mike Seibert Radio or on uh, Twitter or uh Facebook as well, um you you know I'm a ham and a half in my pictures. I mean, you know, my my dumb selfie game is, is far more notorious for somebody of uh, my more mature age, but anyway, we he takes this uh picture and we look like we were just rocking out. And uh, both um and uh and uh and Rocket Boat ended up uh sharing that on their Facebook. So I thought that was uh uh Lucky thought that was really cool. Um, also, you know, also on the uh the pier as part of Fisherman's Wharf was the Muse mechanique uh, which I'm sure I'm butchering the the French pronunciation there but it's uh, San Francisco's antique penny arcade and that was really cool to go through because they had like all the old timey uh type uh, arcade machines they they had some pinball and some Atari machines but a lot of it was like old uh Nickelodeon type things where it's like you know you uh, uh put in a dime and kind of you know do the hand crank and it'll show you like you know like a like an old film or something like that um uh we ended up playing a two-player on an Atari uh sprint machine now when i was uh it was a racing game uh because you know we lucky and i we like our racing uh mario kart for life but um I didn't know that there was a racing game just called Sprint. I was only familiar with Super Sprint. I mean, that that's what I had seen in arcades and bowling alleys when I was a kid. So, But uh, just regular Sprint, not Super Sprint, is uh, kind of the same game, just black and white. I had never seen it before, but uh, Lucky was very familiar with it, and she kicked my ass. And we, uh, we spent more than a few minutes in, uh, in there. That was a lot of fun, but it, uh, it kind of reminds me, you know, something that I, uh, I, I meant to mention at the beginning of this, uh, recap, um, you know, kind of reflection on, uh, on our vacation, um, uh but it it just kinda slipped my mind until now. But what one of the the highlights of the trip wasn't so much a um you know a particular thing that we did, but it was something that we've uh discovered. And uh, we uh um I you know, I've I've been known to be stubborn and curmudgeony and, uh, you know, uh, kind of adverse to new technologies and things that I, you know, may not understand or have, you know, like a lot of awareness or experience with like, you know, for example, you, you've heard me talk about, uh, you know, online streaming TV, you know, it's like, well, I, I don't want to watch television on my computer or my telephone. I want to watch television on my television, you, you you know, the rant, but we, um, we got into rideshare uh, during this uh, this trip. I, uh, you know, downloaded Uber on my phone and we uh, I, I tell you, man, that that stuff is like super addicting. Once you get addicted to taking Uber all over the place, it's hard to go back because, uh, you know, like there would be times I would just open the Uber app and just see all of the little cars Driving around the area near me, like a, almost like an ant farm. It was really, it was oddly hypnotic at times. But the thing with San Francisco is that it's all hills. Now, I had mentioned that we were at Fisherman's Wharf. And so there were some spots that we could walk to, but a lot of the places we wanted to go, like a lot of the places we were having dinner, uh, would be kind of uphill and so we uh um we you know we oh gosh we did at least a half a dozen or more um uber rides uh throughout uh throughout the trip and you know we learned a few things like um like uh you know like i i would set it up but then i mean, i'm sorry i i would uh set up for a pickup but then like we'd move around and wonder where, where the car was, <laughs> um, actually got into it with, with a uh, one Uber driver. Cause he's like, Oh yeah, you're supposed to be over on this corner over here. And I'm like, why, why would I know that? And, um, you know, there, there was, uh, a little bit of a language barrier, but, um, but so this, this is, if you take nothing else away from what I'm sharing about my trip, you know, Buy a city pass, obviously. But um, if you're doing Uber, I, I can't speak to Lyft or anything else. I've just done the one ride share. But when you go to select your pickup location, um, sure, there's your GPS, but there's um, there's a black mark called a pin. And basically where you set the pin is where your Uber driver will pick you up. I got through at least two, three, four rides before I realized that this was the thing to do. So I'm like, oh, if I want the driver to pick me up at the corner, I should probably move the pin to the corner because I just kept, like, tapping my phone and, you know, hitting the equivalent of... Enter. <laughs> so, anyway, just just a little a um, uh, little bit on uh, Uber there. Um, so, also uh, during our time in San Francisco, we ended up taking a couple, of, a few actually, a, a couple few different uh, styles of uh, guided tours. Uh, throughout the city you know um I, I had mentioned previously we uh we didn't do the quote unquote touristy stuff by going out to alcatraz but i think that's really the only super touristy thing we we elected not to do because uh we um okay so we uh one of the things we we took a tour on was it was a uh it was a electric tuk tuk Now, uh, if you've watched, like, say, Amazing Race or something like that, it's uh, a tuk-tuk is really kind of like it's a motorcycle or bicycle um, with a basket on the back of it, kind of kind of like a motorized rickshaw. Well, in San Francisco, uh, Lucky found this really cool um, uh, tuk-tuk tour where it's a an electric uh, vehicle, and it's basically just the driver and us. Um, so it's a very uh, personalized, uh, intimate style of doing a tour around the city. And basically, this dude kind of takes you all the way um, around to different sites, uh, basically uh, stops at some of the more uh, tourist sites and uh, um, lets you out to take pictures And uh, this was really cool because, I mean, it was early in the trip... And that was one of Lucky's ideas in that, like, well, let's let's do the, let's get to know the city, quote-unquote, stuff early on. So, yeah, we go on this tuk-tuk ride. He takes us all over town. We were gone all day long. Uh, but one of the things that, that was super cool about this style of tour vehicle is it could go a lot of places that larger, like, say, uh, uh, tour buses, or you know, like the hop-on, hop-off, double decker type of type of things where they just simply can't go like he uh, took us down to a place called Fort Point which was an old military installation uh, basically at the base of the Golden Gate Bridge so you're uh, uh, you're able to uh, go down there and you know get some really cool shots of the bridge um, and incidentally, I should mention at this point that um, if you are planning a trip to San Francisco, I would definitely recommend the middle of September because of the way that their weird climate is. Like uh, last time we went, uh, uh, Lucky's birthday is in uh, July, so we went in summertime and it was cold. Um, I uh, I thought we were going to California, so I packed nothing but tank tops and shorts and we ended up having to... Uh, Buy me an entire wardrobe so I so I (laughs) uh, so I wouldn't die Uh, the last time we were in San Francisco. I planned better this time. But uh, middle of September is basically their summer. So it was sunny and in the 70s uh pretty much the entire time we had like one rainy foggy day but that was uh that was about it um so anyway so at at this fort point place we're we're just getting magnificent views of the bay and the bridge and uh, in in this little tuk-tuk car we're able to go down Lombard Street the uh the infamously crooked street uh the uh according to our tour guide the second uh most uh, uh crooked street in the country, followed only by uh Wall Street, as uh, as he said. It's San Francisco, what do you gotta do? Uh but yeah, no, he uh um he took us all over the place and it was a lot of fun and really kinda informed what some of our planning for the for the rest of the trip would be. Um another trip we took is this is kind of going from one extreme to the other, but the the uh other tour we took was on a converted cable car. Now the the uh, famous historical San Francisco cable cars. Uh, this was it's basically retrofitted with you know uh, to be street legal. Um so yeah so we we uh piled into this uh you know uh, a street legal uh vintage uh turn of the century cable car and you know we had a uh a separate driver and a separate tour guide and off we went and saw you know like the the sights of uh, San Francisco and kind of went all throughout the bay to all the um all of uh, uh, the different neighborhoods and saw some of the the landmarks you know like we went to uh city hall and and uh went by the uh the painted ladies you know the the um iconic victorian homes uh, aka the uh the full house house uh, we also got to see you know the mrs Doubtfire house as well as uh, a lot of other uh famous people's homes that that live in the area uh but the cool thing about uh, the the cable cars, it's it's a it's a heartier vehicle than uh, the tuk tuk. So tuk tuk kind of just kind of takes you through kind of back roads and things like that. On this, we you know we were getting on freeways and and highways and uh, but but most spectacularly of that was we got to cross the Golden Gate Bridge, uh, which was really cool because like if uh, if we had gotten, say, like a rental car or something like that and tried to cross, we'd have gotten stuck in afternoon rush hour traffic. But there was like a couple uh, uh, spots designated for uh, tour vehicles and being a tour vehicle you know, they, they were able to, uh, get off and show us around and, you know, got some really cool pictures, some spectacular views. It was, uh, it was, uh, it, it was, uh, again, it was a blast. Um, and the, uh, third, uh, type of guided tour that we went on, which was, uh, for me at least, uh, the most fun. And that was the go car. Now uh we we had seen these little yellow go-cars all over San Francisco even like when uh Lucky and I had been there in the past there these three-wheeled vehicles which is basically like kind of like a small motorcycle that's been retrofitted to kind of be just kind of like a yellow two-seat tub um but um the the engines got a little bit of kick to it i mean it's like you know when when we're on the streets you know you can do up to 30 miles an hour so you know as you're driving through the city where the speed limit is you know uh, 20 to 25 you're gonna be okay uh but yeah it's this open air um teeny tiny vehicle um two seats so one driver uh um um, I drove. Uh, lucky was uh, was the <laughs> willing passenger. Um, and uh, the, the coolest thing about this was, in addition to just being a fun vehicle to uh, tool around in, it's a, a GPS-driven guided tour. So basically, the GPS system uh, and the guided narration knows where you're at. So, like, you know, when we uh, drove out of the place, one of the first things that comes up is Ghirardelli Square and and uh, Fisherman's Wharf. They're like, you know, oh, on your left is uh, Ghirardelli Square. If you want to check that out, you can stop here or you can just keep going. And, you know, as as you continue driving, they're like, oh, okay, well, you don't want to check that out. If you want to go over here, continue straight. If you want to do this, turn left, and you know you would you would turn basically whatever you wanted to do, uh, based on what the GPS would uh, tell you. So uh, at a, at a few certain points. Um, we weren't sure exactly where we were going. It, we were, you know, we, we were just kind of following the directions. It's like, Oh, at, at the stoplight, you're going to want to turn right. Now, uh, one of the things that I've been asked was, uh, um, how did we feel safe, uh, in the go car? And I, I hadn't really thought about it until, uh, one of my coworkers asked me that. And, um, yeah. I mean, it's all plastic. So, you know, if we got into any kind of, you know, entanglement, that that would be pretty much the end. But um, but you're driving through the city, which means you're not driving fast anyway. And we went uh, late morning, early afternoon in the middle of the week. So really, we didn't have to worry about traffic or sharing the road or really much of that. And it was a uh, um, it was a kick in the pants, but one one of the um, one of one of our goals, you know, one one of the uh, uh things that we had want wanted to do was uh the Lucasfilm headquarters uh, campus is in San Francisco in the Presidio neighborhood, and there's this uh fountain. It's uh the Yoda fountain, and uh, so lucky did the majority of the legwork in terms of finding these cool activities uh, for us to do like she found the tuk tuk she found the cable car um and uh one of these things now she she loves the HGTV so you know a lot of those shows are her jam but one of them was uh they they I, I guess their project was like to clean up and and spruce up this Yoda fountain. So she's like, "Hey, there's a Yoda fountain in San Francisco." And um so that, you know, being being the huge Star Wars fan that I am, uh that that became a must uh destination. Uh but it, there's there's some geographical separation there. So we, you know, it's like, well, we didn't want to necessarily take an Uber out to it because the the fountain is on the campus, so you have to go to the campus, drive by the uh, the the guy in the booth, and tell him that, hey, you're there to see the Yoda fountain and and hang out in the lobby uh, with uh, some of the Star Wars memorabilia and things like that, and uh, so yeah, that that wasn't. Long story short, we, we incorporated that into our go-car trip, and yeah, so we just kind of drove off course and went to go see the fountain, uh, uh, took a bunch of pictures, Um and in fact, uh the the thumbnail the cover photo for uh uh for the podcast this week that is me doing a doofy selfie um in front of uh the Yoda fountain. And if you look at that picture, uh which I've posted pretty much everywhere, I, I think it's I think it's my profile picture pretty much everywhere. But um you'll notice that I am wearing uh Seahawks gear, Seattle Seahawks. And um uh, that was on Monday night, and there was a, a football game. And, and again, we had planned this ahead. We knew it was a football—knew uh, uh, it was a football? Jeez. Um No, we knew there was going to be a game, and we uh, uh, tried to figure out where we were going to watch it. Because it's like, you know, San Francisco— uh, you know, the Forty ers have a pretty good rivalry with the Seahawks, you know, with us all being in the the NFC West. Um, so it's like what do you do? So we uh, we did some research and we found a Seahawk friendly bar uh called Danny Coyle's. Um uh and it it was it was interesting because like it was uh, it was i think maybe a little further away than i was anticipating so it was another uber ride uh but we we got there like oh my gosh i want to say like maybe like 90 minutes before the game there's like two other people in the bar um and it's like is this the right place cuz it looks like it looks like just an irish pub uh both on the outside i mean it's very nondescript as well as uh on the inside um and i was really nervous i i get super nervous when i'm uncomfortable being in a new place and it chips away at my confidence that we're in the right place i'm like are we in the right place uh as it got closer to game time then we started seeing people come in uh you know with jerseys and Seahawks gear and it um it It was a really great experience um but it was a terrible game uh yeah, the Seahawks got their asses whipped it was uh it was bad um no offensive line and you know it's this is not a sports show I'm not a sports guy, but I love my Seahawks but um but yeah, not not a great showing. Um, but it was cool though because you know we you know uh, you know you're making bar friends and you know just chatting with folks and getting to know them. Uh, uh, there was somebody that was sitting behind uh, Lucky that's uh, that's from Everett. Um, so uh, again, like you know, getting back to uh, the bus driver from the wine train, you know, it's like you know where are you from? Seattle. What were you about in Seattle? everett you know so and you just kind of chip away at that locality um uh but that that was really cool that was a um fun time just wish it was uh under under uh, uh better circumstances but you know uh speaking of um irish pubs you know one one of the one of the top destinations to go, especially for folks that, that like a stiff drink is you got to go to the Buena Vista and get the world famous Irish coffee, which has, uh, you know, been recommended by, um, uh, several of Lucky's friends, uh, uh, who are actually Irish. And they're like, no, it's, it's legit. So, you know, once you kind of get that, that approval on it, it's uh, and, and really good breakfast as well. Um, um so yeah so i mean i mean definitely include the buena vista in your uh destination plans now before i talk about the the last adventure uh that we did during our vacation um uh i i have um uh a a handy guide of uh, some of the uh, landmarks and attractions that we saw it was it was cool like so we were hanging out in Ghirardelli Square and we bump into this uh mini golf uh, putt putt course and it's basically set up you know as the different landmarks of San Francisco and it, it was um a really nice course too i mean we uh we loves some putt putt mini golf and this uh uh this uh course did not uh, disappoint. It's a place called Subpar Miniature Golf and that is in uh Delhi Square. Their website is subparminigolf.com. The only reason I'm hyping that is because I'm looking at a picture on my phone of the scorecard that we uh um uh that we picked up. Um Incidentally, I was not the victor that day, so just uh, for anybody uh, wondering. But it was interesting because, like, it's an 18-hole mini-golf course, and each one is a famous uh, San Francisco landmark. So as we kind of went through the trip, we almost used this as a uh, checklist of places that we had seen, and... Uh, Really, what made this trip to San Francisco so special was that we got to see so much of what we hadn't seen before. Because, like, you know, I I mentioned those tours earlier, and each of those three tours, there were things that we hadn't seen on the other. So, like, you almost have to take all three and put them together into, like, one super tour tour which would be weird because they're three uh, vastly different vehicles. Um, But, you know, just, uh, yeah, I mean, we saw so much, but it wasn't until almost the end of the trip that we saw Um, A few of these landmarks because it's like, what is this like? uh, okay, so I'm just going to read through this uh, just for funsies. So this is the uh, course guide um, again for a subpar, the mini golf course uh, in Ghirardelli Square. Hole one is uh, the San Francisco Bay Ferry. Uh, The way San Franciscans avoid that notorious bridge traffic with that stunning view the whole way. And again, that's uh, that's where we started when we went, uh, uh, took the ferry across to Napa for the dinner train, Uh, Alcatraz Island. Uh, over, around, or through, how will you escape San Francisco's most notorious prison? Look out the window for tips. So um, we, uh, we didn't go to Alcatraz, as I had mentioned several times for some reason. But we did uh, find ourselves at kind of like the Alcatraz tour um, uh, kind of area. And they had like this giant scale model of Alcatraz so we kind of looked at that took some goofy pictures um and I think that I think that kind of um was as good of an Alcatraz experience for this uh this time around now um the one thing that we didn't see is uh something called Treasure Island Uh, This artificial island is getting made over and over again, but some of its iconic buildings from its history as a naval base remain. And I actually had to ask Dr. Google about this. I had to bring up my Google Maps. It turns out Treasure Island is kind of like this weird man-made mass, kind of mid-span, like halfway to Oakland, like uh, um, near the uh, Bay Bridge. So it was the complete opposite direction of where we were. And, yeah, we just never... Uh, made it that way um uh oh so the san francisco bay ferry is here twice hole number four is san francisco ferry building your gateway to the bay area by boat exclamation point oh duh (laughs) i guess maybe i should have read through this before i started recording but um the the bay ferry that i mentioned at uh the beginning of this was the actual boat it was like a giant ferry boat in the middle of this mini golf green. And then, uh, later on hole four, it was the actual iconic, uh, San Francisco ferry building. Um, um, so the fifth hole was the Bay Bridge, um, or at least what it would look like if there were no traffic on it, and with uh, that beautiful iconic bridge tower, exclamation point. Um, number six was Coit Tower, which is kind of, uh, you know, it, it's one of the um, iconic San Francisco landmarks. It's kind of basically a, a uh, uh, kind of looks like, a, kind of like a, a giant um, uh, smokestack kind of kind of type of thing it's just cylindrical uh brick uh building you can see it from pretty much anywhere in the city uh number seven was the painted ladies which i had talked about earlier Uh, the purest example of the san francisco flavor of the victorian architectural style now um so the neighborhood we went through to see the full house house has these victorian style houses and there's a row again where the full house house is i just like saying full house house um where they had these painted ladies now most people think that the um uh that only these seven homes uh, including the full house house um are painted ladies um not true as we learned from all of our tour guides is that any victorian house that's painted in more than three colors, um, uh, can be considered a painted lady. So that's, uh, so that was an interesting little bit of uh, trivia we learned. Um, uh, hole number eight was the Transamerica Pyramid. Uh, this is that that super modern uh, building that that you can see uh, in San Francisco. It's kind of part of uh, iconic part of the skyline. Uh, number nine is the Palace of Fine Arts. Uh, the stunning dome, plucked out of ancient Rome, that rises above the treetops. This place was massive. This was one of the first things that we went and saw on the tuk-tuk tour and it's just this giant uh Roman style dome structure um that that the city of San Francisco had built for the World's Fair uh shortly after the uh 1906 earthquake uh to kind of you know like draw people in and and you know be a tourist attraction but um one thing and I have not asked Dr. Google this to confirm, but I'm going I'm to throw a little piece of trivia at you, and maybe you can look it up and let me know what you think. But um, you could see the Palace of Fine Arts from the Lucasfilm uh, uh, campus, where I was talking about the Yoda Fountain earlier. It's been said... That when George Lucas was writing on the uh, Star Wars movies, he would look out and he would see the uh, signature domed structure of the Palace of Fine Arts. And it said that that was his inspiration for R2-D2. Now, some people think that this is fact. Other people think it's made up and untrue. I don't really know because I didn't really uh, do the research. Uh, So maybe you can ask Dr. Google and come up with your own conclusions. But what I do know is that George Lucas has given inconsistent answers and told contradictory stories uh, over the years, you know, being uh, being a huge Star Wars fan, I've heard him say that, um, well, you know, Star Wars was always meant to be three movies, um, it, but then in completely different situations, he'll say, well, you know, I I wrote one screenplay um, and or like, oh, well, it was always meant to be um, a, a nine movie thing or a nine story saga that that kind of thing so his answers have been contradictory so i have no doubt ironically enough that both of these answers are probably um accurate for at least who started them because i'm sure he probably told somebody that that was his inspiration and i'm sure he also told somebody that that was not his specific inspiration uh but one thing that um uh, people can agree on, and Lucky and I knew this from a, uh, um, a harbor cruise that we took in Seattle um, where there are um, cranes that are very similar to the ones in uh, San Francisco because both Seattle and San Francisco are, um, you know, they they have ports. They're, you know, uh, water towns. And basically, like, there would be these cranes w- that would have Kind of like a frame structure that almost looks like it has four legs and kind of a bullish type head. And uh, that went on to become the inspiration for the AT-AT walkers, the Adats, as, uh, you know, made famous, obviously, in Empire Strikes Back. Um Uh, So, like, again, that's another one of those weird stories where it was like, oh, well, no, it was, you know, based on elephants or, you know, other uh, large pachyderm type animals. And my read on that has always been, um, you know, to believe that George Lucas was originally inspired by the cranes. But then, like, once it got to, like, the art department and the model makers and all of that stuff, that's probably where, like, the more... Uh, elephant inspiration, uh, you know, uh, kind of came into place uh, with uh, with regards to the design of the walkers. That's uh, um, that's just kind of me. But um, but anyway, that's uh, that's Palace of uh, the Fine Arts. Um, I talked about Lombard Street already. Uh, San Francisco's most crooked street was actually designed with miniature golf in mind, probably. (laughs) <laughs> again, I I'm just reading from the mini golf scorecard here. Um hole 11 is Ghirardelli Square again, uh the uh, uh the famous uh chocolatier. Um you know that there uh, the old factory is there. It's all at iconic brick building. Um hole 12 is uh the Golden Gate Bridge, obviously the San Francisco icon, and I I remember that uh that particular hole because it has like a double loop de loop in there, and I uh um I don't think I got a hole in one, maybe it was two, but basically I hit it in such a way where it went through both loop de loops. I was very proud of myself. Um um And this is where we kind of get into stuff that that Lucky and I didn't see until towards the end of the trip when we were on our go car. Uh, The Cliff House at Land's End with a a stunning view of the Pacific and Ocean Beach. The Cliff House is a great place to grab a bite. It looks really cool, but we didn't stop and eat there. But um, 14 is the Dutch Windmill. Um, at the ocean side end of Golden Gate Park and again we didn't see that cuz like we kept going back to the scorecards it's like where where is this cliff house where is this uh um uh, dutch windmill yeah these were deep on the other side of town kind of right by the ocean at And at the end of uh, Golden Gate Park, Uh, hole 15 is the DeYoung Museum and Academy of Sciences. Again, it's a it's a a pretty iconic building. It's uh, it's within Golden Gate Park. um, And uh, that was a cool area. Uh, Sixteen was the Castro Theater, uh, the icon at the center of San Francisco's vibrant LGBT community. Um, we uh, we went through the Castro on uh, the the tuk tuk ride um, and I think maybe on the cable car ride, too, but I don't remember. We almost uh, went to see a movie at the Castro Theater. Um, it just wasn't quite uh, to be in the schedule. Um, I think they were showing uh, Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Incidentally, not a terrible movie. Um, I'll just uh I'll admit that one uh right here. But uh yeah, I I um so my favorite movie theater is the Cinerama here in Seattle and it's one of those uh historic theaters. And you know, very early on it's like um oh well, you know, the Castro Theater is a very um iconic and uh historical uh theater. And I uh, thought it would be really cool to check out, but again, uh, wasn't in the cards uh, this time. But again, that gives us something to do next time. Uh, 17 was the Sutro Tower and Twin Peaks. Uh, this was really cool. We we didn't see these until we were on the Cable Car Tour. Uh, Sutro Tower is just basically like a, a giant TV tower. But like if there's like a layer of fog, you can see the tower being tall enough to... Uh, pop-up over it. It was really neat. Uh, The the second tallest building in San Francisco is this prominent broadcast antenna built in 1973. And Hole 18, the last stop on the uh, uh, mini golf course and one of uh, the newer uh, landmarks in San Francisco is, of course, AT&T Park, where uh, your San Francisco Giants uh, play baseball. There was a baseball game every day we were there so it created some uh traffic but we uh I mean it was fine it, but it was kind of neat like we uh when we were on the taxi ride from the airport to uh, to the hotel you could see where the park is now this is the one that the baseball park that's right on the bay so uh this is the one where you'll see kayakers uh looking for either foul balls or uh, home run balls basically yeah they'll just crack balls out into the bay and people will kayak and and collect them um and sure enough as we drove by you could you could see you know kayakers out in the water um I thought that was really neat but it was kind of cool just uh driving by on the freeway and you look into the stadium cuz like the open side kind of faces the freeway and you could see like the giant video screen and you could see that it was full of people and it was um it was really cool so i mean that that, um, I, I'm sure I'm leaving stuff out, but, uh, because I mean, it was, it was, it was busy, but it was also, um, casual enough where we could really take our time and enjoy ourselves. But that's basically San Francisco. Now the, uh, uh, the last thing we did on our vacation was, uh, a, a completely different adventure. We, um we uh rented a car and drove down to San Jose uh for a day and went to go check out the Winchester Mystery House now if um if you might remember from earlier in the year i want to say like back in february there was a movie um a cheap horror movie called Winchester with uh Helen Mirren and and uh Jason Clark and some other folks maybe in a nutshell uh the The story of Sarah Winchester is that she was the widow and primary uh, stockholder uh, owner of uh, the Winchester Repeating Rifle Company, and basically she believed that her house was haunted by, uh, restless spirits of those that had died from, uh, Winchester rifles that had been killed by rifles. And, you know, after, uh, consulting with a variety of, uh, mediums and other, uh, spiritual consultants, um, it was, uh, to basically continue building on her home in san jose california to kind of you know uh, appease the spirits now um the the movie kind of frames it as kind of like a horror movie type thing uh the way the historians at the house itself kind of kind of present it more as a, you know, here's what we know, believe what you like, but the Winchester house is largely considered to be the, um, uh, most haunted house in, in the United States. So, um, so yeah, I mean like there, there are areas that you walk through that, you kind of feel a kind of eerie, uh, spooky pooky type, of uh, uh, type of presence there. I mean, uh, you know, it's funny, the tour guides will talk about like, you know, sometimes people on staff have seen ghosts and, and things like that. I, I would bet the, uh, the ghost of the iconic moment would, uh, <laughs> would like to hang around there. Um, but no, uh, Uh, Lucky and I, we've found out and I, in fact, actually when I did like a review kind of breakdown of the Winchester movie back in February, I misspoke and I had said that Lucky and I had been there together when I was completely, um, off base. I, you know, you ever get that thing like where you, you, uh, remember things wrong and just kind of get some details mixed up. Um, I have been to the Winchester House. I went there um, uh, on a, a family road trip uh, back when I was 18. And Lucky had been to the Winchester House on a uh, family trip uh, back in the day as well. But she and I have not been to the Winchester House together. It was like two separate uh, trips. So it was something we definitely wanted to do because we both thought it was uh um, just something really cool to check out and explore. So we did two tours. One was like the the uh, the main mansion tour, where you get to see like the the staircase uh that that goes to nowhere, a door that opens to nowhere and a lot of rooms uh throughout the house and um it's a guided tour and talks about the history and things like that, but we also had time to do uh what they called the explore more tour, which yeah they've uh they've recently uh refurbished and uh opened up uh, areas of the house that people haven't been in, in nearly a hundred years. Um, so it was kind of cool to kind of go through that and just kind of see like, uh, the, um, you know, old style of uh, construction, you see like plaster and wallpaper and, and, uh, uh, things like that. And, and again, it was just kind of eerie to be in a spot that, you know, people, uh, really haven't been through a lot of the uh refurbishments were really just more for like safety reasons you know make sure that like this floor could you know <laughs> stand people standing on it and uh and things like that but there was uh um it was really cool and it was uh it was a really good day trip um uh there was a time where I was thinking perhaps that we weren't going to be able to do that. Um and then, you know, lucky always the problem solver um is just like, well why don't we just rent a car? And yeah, it's just, you know, it, it's she she's very much an Occam's razor type person where um, you know, often the simplest solution is often the best. Whereas I um often frequently constantly overthink things um and just just way overanalyze and uh sometimes to the point where it makes it kind of tough for me to act sometimes because it's like oh need to do more research need to make more lists need to do more um analysis so um so yeah it, it was uh um, I, I, I'm really glad that it turned out the way that it did. And it was just, um, it was such a great time. It was a phenomenal trip. And, um, the thing about San Francisco, uh, that, that I think appeals to me the most, and I, I didn't quite realize this until after we started talking to, folks you know like hotel people or tour guides or locals or whatever was you know like you know we would say like we were from seattle and the response would always be oh well well that's not very far away at all and it kind of it kind of kind of scrunched my nose um a couple times but then i realized that that's really what makes it so cool because like it's far enough away to where you feel like you've gone somewhere, meaning like, you know, you have to take a plane ride. It was a two hour plane ride, um, but it's still close enough to where you haven't gone all that far. You know, it's not like, you know, going to China or Chicago or or something like that. Uh, but no, it's uh, and, and it and it has. It, it's the people are very nice. Uh, the people are very welcoming um and it's just neat it's it's um in a lot of ways it feels like seattle in fact i'd say it feels more like seattle than uh other parts of california like you know i mean cuz i mean obviously san francisco is kind of northern california so maybe it still kind of like has that uh more uh north coast uh type feel to it, but um but it was interesting because like we you know, Lucky and I were talking, it's like, would we go back? Um and basically we we've seen way more and way more new stuff than we ever have. Um you know, maybe in another handful of years when I uh either one of us has another Uh, landmark birthday maybe uh maybe this will end up being kind of a new uh tradition for us um and you know with regards to uh turning 40 uh i don't really have a whole lot of uh, reflection on that other than uh before i took off my boss was um Uh, Kind of teasing me a little bit because he's a couple years older than me, Um, and he would say, "Well, you know, you know, once you turn, you know, once once you turn forty, you know, as if uh, uh, turning forty is similar to being like a a vampire or a zombie or spoiled milk or something." It was just kind of funny in that the the way he phrased it, you know, once you turn, um, you know, he says like, you know, the wheels will immediately fall off and um you know it's it's also said that you know you're almost as old as you, you're you're only as old as you feel easy for me to say as I try to wrap up the show here uh but no um <laughs> i i have always felt like i have an older soul i i felt when i turned 30 that i um i i, I felt at the time that my age had caught up to how I felt. So like when all throughout my twenties, I felt like, you know, 30 something. And, you know, through a lot of my thirties, uh, you know, I kind of felt older than I was. So basically once I, once I, um, turned <laughs> like so much stale milk or, or, uh, a zombie or a vampire, um, I, I, I feel content. I feel like, the board has been, uh, reset again. And that, you know, um, I am only as old as I feel, but I feel as old as I am. And that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is what it is. (laughs) Whoa the music is there (laughs) Uh, that'll do it for this week's show Uh, thank you so much for hanging around and listening as always i greatly appreciate it and if you'd like to check out any of my past shows uh subscribe and listen on soundcloud google Podcasts, the stitcher radio app and on apple podcasts like share rate and review the show wherever you find it and if you do happen to be so inclined and leave a review on itunes i am told it helps out uh five stars please by the way on those uh uh rate and reviews uh let me know uh, send me a screenshot or tag me somewhere or do something let me know what it, I, I i'm not an apple user sorry i i've just learned uber so um anyway um if uh if you do happen to uh, send me a review. Let me know. I will read it on the air and give you a shout out. And if you are an independent artist or would like to be a guest or a co-host on the show, let me know and we will work something out because I'm always excited to meet new and exciting new folks. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. All of that at Mike Seibert Radio and right into the mailbag, Mike Seibert Radio at gmail.com This has been Mike Cybert Radio. My name is Mike and until next time make good choices.